Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the Nightingale Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Nightingale's transfer correspondent Graham Bailey. And Nightingale's top cat is back. Toby Cudworth is with us on the show today. Please subscribe to the show on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Toby, it's been a while. How's it going? Has been a while. Uh, yeah, good. Thank you, mate. I uh, successfully battling off illness. You can probably hear it in my voice. It's been trying to get me for the last 10 days or so, but I'm fine. And uh, coming on to the pod off the back of West Ham winning a Premier League game at the weekend, which is a rarity these days, but good game actually, wasn't it? Don't know if you guys watched it. Um, three, two. I actually five. I switched over towards the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you missed I, the good I, bit. I chose Liverpool. I did choose Liverpool, but um, yeah. Uh, David Moyes will be talking about him today. And Toby, I just have to ask you, since we're talking about that game, what did you make of Anthony, Anthony Alanga's celebration? Uh, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> over, over the top, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's be honest. And he had egg on his face come the end of the game. Uh, well, good goal, was, he the one, was he the one who took his vest off as well? Yes. And then yeah. West Ham scored straight away, right? Immediately. 46 yeah. seconds. I, I, I was just, I don't know, it's me, me getting old. I was just watching that thing, and that's literally not worth the effort of you taking that. Because it looks really hard to get on in the first place than half rests. Yeah, I think the Diego Forlan one, when he scored for scored a goal finally for Man United, and then he couldn't get his shirt back on <laughs> uh, back in like 2001, 2002, I think it was. Or when they had the, maybe in 2003. Uh, form, he could have joined Middlesbrough, Graham, Diego Forlan. He should have joined us before you stole him at Heathrow Airport. Literally, for stole him away as Keith Lamb was stood waiting for him at um, the uh, the the gate to get him out. One of my first big exclusives that Diego fan. So has good memories for me, even though United getting there. Um, but after a few games at United, we weren't too bothered. Was he pre Afonso Alves? Graham, did you then? Yes, yeah, so he was. About, he yeah, was, it was um, a few years before. Yeah, it was quite a few years before that. Right. Yeah, we um, he literally United did the deal. What literally? It was a good old fashioned one. They did the deal whilst he was in the air. So he landed, thinking he was signed for Middlesbrough, but then he was soon. Which you, you you don't have too many complaints when if you're losing a player to say Fulham or West Ham. No disrespect, but when you land it's Man United, you can't really complain. Uh, Diego Forlan mentioned there. Uh, on the agenda today, there's some uh, John Obi Mikel mentions, who was uh, notably seen in a Man United shirt before joining Chelsea. He's been talking about Victor Osserman and talking to Victor Osserman. Uh, he signed for Manchester United. He did, yeah. He signed he for them. He did, yeah. Um, there are a few, though. I mean, talking about, we had our, our most famous one of those. We signed Chris Smalling for Maidstone, and we released him for free because he was homesick, and then he went on to a fame at Fulham. I, I did not think that. that really. Yeah, yeah. We he was a, he was it was very rare. He was in England under 18s as a non-league player, and we got him. Yeah, and then we released him for nothing because he was homesick very early. Oh, there you go. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. What uh, could have been? What could have been? We'll talk about what could be on today's show. Uh, we'll talk about Chelsea and if they'll sign a striker in January. Nick Jackson's on absolutely. He's ripping it up. <laughs> Four goals in his last two games. Uh, did Chelsea even need a striker? We'll, we'll talk about that at the top of the show. We'll talk I about... I know you said that as a Rasmus Hoyland supporter, Scott. So any, 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 anyone, <laughs> anyone's, any, anyone's ripping We're, we're really going to this conversation again. You still don't rate Rasmus Hoyland. I've, I've never said I don't rate him. I like him. I think you like United, to go on a lot about it. I, no. Yeah, because he's seventy million. He's not worth seventy million. But I think the original initial plan for United, and we'll get onto them, 
where they had an, um, a main tag and Hoyden was going to come in and learn from someone and back him up, I think would have been a, similar, similar to Nicholas Jackson at Chelsea, where he was never really signed to be front-choice striker. The same as Hoyden shouldn't have been, but um, they are what they are. And if he's purporting to be a £70 million striker, he's got to show it. Is he top scorer in the Champions League? He is, yeah. But it's probably good news for United, right, Scott? Because in that deal with Atalanta, I'm sure there would have been an X amount of Premier League goals scored in his first season triggers a payment Ballon just let him was, yeah central. just let him not score that's fine uh, we'll talk about uh, United towards the end of the show and if they'll start uh, their new uh, team that's going to essentially run sporting operations uh, and where we are with that We'll talk about if they're going to put Ballon d'Or clauses in contracts for players that they sign in the future. Although the, we joke, they never pay the Anthony Martial clause for the Ballon d'Or because it never <laughs> happened. So they saved themselves some money. Anyway, uh, you we'll wouldn't talk- have any goal scoring clauses in that deal either, <laughs> would you? <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Chelsea at the top of the show. Strikers on the agenda Christopher Nkunku, Reese James. We'll talk in the middle of the show about the game that every scout was at to sign almost every player on the pitch in midweek. I'll let you guess at the top of the show. You might have read 90min.com and seen that. Hopefully you have, uh, but we'll reveal which game that was and which players were being trapped by which clubs uh, and their scouts through the middle of the show. It was a good game as well. Good finish. Uh, We'll talk irons in the fire because Toby's here. David Moy's contract on the agenda. We'll talk uh, a... Fluminense player, Andre, who has been linked with Liverpool, Arsenal, etc., etc. There's another couple of clubs from the Premier League in the running for him. And we, as we said, we'll talk about United's takeover towards the end of the show. Nightingmin.com for all the latest from us. Nightingmin.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news. And at Nightingmin underscore football as well for all the latest on social media. Now, my first point of discussion Will Chelsea sign a striker in January, Graham? We've mentioned Nick Jackson. Uh, although we did say in the summer that Chelsea did want a striker. And I think, I don't think the, don't think the lines change, is it? Like a, a striker that can really come in and nail every, most of the chances that Chelsea are scoring. Because Nick Jackson, although he scored four goals in the week, tends to need a lot of chances to score. Yeah, their plan is to, to bring in a frontline number nine. It always has been. And you said Jackson was brought in not to be that man. So I think he's, he's he bears a lot of the brunt, doesn't he, sometimes? And you know, he's not the answer. Well, they didn't sign him to be the answer. They signed him to be in the squad. I think he's a better player than Armando Brogia, who ironically won that penalty for them as well. So I think he's just slightly better than him. But from what we understand, Scott... No, the, the answer is no. They're not, probably not going to sign a striker in January. It will depend how Nkunku comes back. We did the reveal um, exclusively last week that he was aiming to play, to start against Newcastle in the um, in the League Cup. Um, so then Pochettino kindly confirmed the day after that he had a conversation. We think he'll play Premier League games before that game. But that's probably that's been penciled in for his first start, which is on December nineteenth. But they do have games against Sheffield United, Chelsea, even Manchester United, Old Trafford. So we'll, we will see him in Premier League action. And I think Nkunku added to that Chelsea team as it's playing at the minute with Palmer, Sterling, and Nkunku. I think could be quite dangerous. So yeah, and I think it suits Chelsea where they can then think, do you know what? We don't need another striker in January. Um, we don't need to sign even Tony. We can concentrate on our main target, which is Victor Osman. And, and he won't be going in January, so it's something they can look at for the summer. And I think it'd be, um, I think it suits Chelsea actually. I think it suits them wait until the summer, 
they're not particularly in top four contention, are they? So there's no pressure. But let's see how Nkunku does. I think it's good it gives Nkunku six months to prove himself as well. Uh, did a Chelsea out of the top four running, Toby? They've, they've a couple of good results recently. Um, yeah. Obviously, they lost at Brentford, home to Brentford, this kind of thing as well. And they're, they're quite a way back. Yeah, they, ten, they ten points on Tottenham. Yeah, they should be out of the running for the top four. They're definitely improving, aren't they? Um, even though they conceded four at the weekend against City, obviously scored four, um, putting four against past Spurs on Monday night. Okay, they were playing against nine men, but generally their performances are getting better. I think Poch is getting his message across in terms of style. I think Conor Gallagher's looking really good in central midfield. He's impressed me mm. quite a lot. So I think things are piecing themselves together, but there's too many other teams that are strong. Uh, City, Arsenal, Liverpool. Spurs are going to have to seriously fall off now to not be in that top four conversation. I know they've got a lot of injuries now. Newcastle, I'd expect to bounce back once they get players back from injury. United can't continue being this bad, can they, Scott? Or maybe they can. Still in touch, though. They've been all, like it's been a disaster of a season. They're still in touch. You know, it's, an, it's always an ongoing theme, isn't it? With United, they're always this close to an absolute crisis, but they're actually not a million miles away. I think Chelsea will probably be knocking on the door of the top six come the end of the season, but I think top four is beyond them. As Graham says, do they need Victor Osman in January? Maybe not. If Nkunku's coming back, I think he actually might slot into the team quite nicely. Are um, we saying that uh, Os- Osman's going to be thrilled with Walter Mazzari as his new manager? Absolutely not. That <laughs> is a real curveball, isn't it? I can't understand why Napoli. I just think it takes more than a month to 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 negotiate a deal with De Laurentiis. It's going to take more than one month. So that's why I think Chelsea are probably looking at the summer because even if they want, I think even if they wanted him for January, there's probably even left it too late now to negotiate that deal. It would it would take a lot more than six weeks to get that deal done. But uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And you did miss Aston Villa at that conversation there, TC. That's true. I I don't think Villa can keep going though. What they've won thirteen. Premier League home games. If they keep going in the Conference League, I think they only need one or two injuries to key players and then we'll actually see what Villa's squad is made of. Um, I've seen it with West Ham. It's very difficult to keep going and, you know, juggling Premier League action and playing in Europe every Thursday. So Villa flying right now, but I think that the wheels will come off there at some point. Tottenham and Newcastle struggling with injuries. It's amazing how this conversation comes up and yet Every time, well, United are, have players dropping like flies, but it's all Eric Ten Hag's fault. Always, <laughs> always, always Eric Ten Hag's fault. Anyway, uh, let's talk Chelsea still. John Obi Mikel, formerly of Chelsea, has spoken to Victor Osserman and es- essentially said, I'll be the agent who makes that makes this move happen. Victor Osserman has revealed that he's owned two Premier League shirts in his, in his life. Graham, who, who were they? Do you know? Um, I did say, wasn't it Chelsea and Manchester United? It was, yes. Yes, it was. Uh, so, interesting. Does that indicate anything, Graham? Indicates the one that got away for you boys, maybe. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I just think Ossiman's had Chelsea written all over him for a long time. You know, I, I don't think he's... We, talk, we saw him talk about the Saudi Pro League where he does admit, you know, it's a lot of money, but not everything is driven... In football by money. Um, I think he's, you know, everything what's happened at Napoli in terms of the disrespect that the club have shown to him and the way they've treated him. He's not going to sign this new deal. Um, and that's what the club's looking at. We've written about Chelsea are waiting to see what he does with his contract. As long as he doesn't sign this new contract, um, he'll be leaving in the summer. And um, 
he, he's too he's far too far too good a player for only one team to be interested in. But I, I'd still put Chelsea firmly in poor position for him. They need him. He'd fit Chelsea like a glove. But hey, I said let's see what happens. <laughs> Nicholas and uh, Chris and Kunku could come in and score what, 15 goals this season and be the, be the one. But I still, no matter what, I think Chelsea do need someone like Osterman and I think he's a good fit. Napoli fourth in the league. They lost at home to Empoli at the weekend going in, in, in the international break. So uh, can Walter Mazzari, if, if this happens, steer them back into the conversation about the title and back into the Champions League? Uh, remains to be seen. Uh, you mentioned Nkunku there on the verge of a return in the next uh, well, next few weeks, you would say. Reese James has just completed his return, Toby. Uh, some links with a move away from Chelsea in the last few days. Uh, we at Nightingham, I believe yesterday, as we record this, uh, put out that there's not much in that. Reese James wants to stay. What What info do you have for us? Yeah, there's been a lot of noise about Reese James's future actually for kind of six, nine months. Real Madrid have had a long-term interest in Reese James prior to him signing a new contract and prior to him being made Chelsea's club captain. Real looking for a long-term Danny Carvajal successor. And although they think he's probably got another two years left in the tank at the highest level, Real, as Graham would say, doing their due diligence on long-term targets. Reese James is probably near the very top of that list. Um but James signed that new long-term contract. He's completely committed to Chelsea's project. Moving forward, he wants to help the club get back to the top of the English game. Um, wants to get them competing again in the Champions League. And look, Manchester City have even been linked to Reese James as well. And you kind of bring Carl Walker into that replacement conversation. He's 33 now and is still playing at the top level. He won't go on forever. And Reese James is a similar kind of player to him. But even that move wouldn't interest James. I think that's one that's completely off the table for him. And I wouldn't say, Graham, that you could rule Real Madrid out in the future, but we're talking years away here. Whereas Manchester City, I don't think Reese James is inclined to move to a domestic rival. No, I think he's not. He's, you know, right back is on Real's radar for the future. I think, as, as we've alluded to, a lot of people have started to pick up us and pick up on this now. We suggested Alfonso Davis was the main fullback target for next summer. That was our information, and that's how it's looking looking like coming to pass. So I think Reese James or someone of that ilk will be a target for twenty twenty five. Um, who knows what comes through the system? I, I still have a, a sneaking for feeling that we may see. Um, the amazing, the wonderful Mr. Freddy Valverde play there a little bit going forward as they wing back. He can play in, literally anywhere on the pitch and do it brilliantly. And, and in terms of City, I think a player who I'm surprised Madrid are not being linked with, but probably more of his age, is Joshua Kimmich. I think if City do go right back, sort of, not now, now right back, but a midfielder slash right back and play all sorts like James can do to a certain extent. I think we'll see City maybe they're interested in Kimmich. Um, come to pass in 2024. So it's one of those where if he was available, yes, City would do it. And clearly they like him. But yeah, it's um, that right-sided option for City is something they're looking at. Even though they've got Rico Lewis there to come in, you can play both sides. It is something they're looking at. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll move on to the game that every scout was at to sign every player on the pitch. Have you guessed what it is yet? It's Benfica. Two Sporting one. This was a dramatic game, actually. I've just uh, got back off watching the highlights. 
Sporting took the lead through a fantastic goal through one of Graham's. Is he on your list of favourite players, Graham? Um, I, yeah, possibly he is getting there now. You know, he did break my heart in the top fifty. Um, oh. But I like him. I've always liked him a lot. Though he's always a player I've mentioned quite a lot. Obviously, I know you guys don't watch anything outside the top six, like on the Premier League. <laughs> so when, so when I was talking who we about talk, it, who are we talking about, Graham? Victor Gayocares. The Swedish national. So he was at Coventry. You haven't seen it. I'm surprised you two even know who he is, given he never played Premier League football. So, um, yeah, the former Coventry striker who is now pulling up trees in Portugal. Obviously, you can read, we did a piece on him last week, actually. You can read about Milan and Dortmund heading the chase for Victor Gaikoris in 2024. He scored the goal for Sporting. Benfica scored twice in injury time. João Neves, previously discussed on this podcast, possibly going to be discussed on this podcast moving forward into next summer as well, scoring the equaliser and then Benfica went on to win 97th minute. Goal was ruled out by the assistant then given via VAR. It's not all bad. Uh, it was interesting to say the least to look at that because that goal wouldn't have stood if it was uh, based on what the officials decided but it was eventually given through VAR. But yes, every how many scouts were there, Graham, that we know of? <laughs> um, and to watch which players... Uh, from both teams, even, I'm guessing we can talk about Antonio Silva, Gonzalo Inacio, João Neves, a ton of them. Yeah, I'd say we'd, we've written a piece on it, and there's, there's others as well. Florentino Luis, he, he'll have been playing in that game as well. Um, also, I think João Neves has really overtaken him now. He's really, uh, he, he's the midfielder who everyone is watching. And again, there was more than a dozen teams at this game, Scott. Not in surprise, hey. Two, two of the most watched teams in Europe this season now Benfica and Sporting. It was a top two battle, so it's not it's not surprising to see the teams there. You know, Man City, United, Arsenal, Liverpool were watching João Neves, the young midfielder who looks he looks a special player, doesn't he, Scott? You know, we've spoken about him since the start of the year. I can't see like that he plays with his shirt tucked in. <laughs> yeah, bit like Roy, Roy Keane esque, Scott. <laughs> Roy Keane used to do that, didn't he? <laughs> um, very neat and tidy profile of player though I don't know, I don't know. yeah I like him I like, he's a very good player and the scouts like him they think he's a bit special uh, and in terms of being, players being special in this game the two defence centre-halves are really attracting a lot of attention Liverpool and United both looking at Goncalo Niacho and Antonio Silva had contrasting games Niacho red-carded in the second half for a second bookable offence he's the left-sided defender if we remember and Antonio Silva who is the the wonderfully gifted Benfica centre half, absolute Rolls Royce. My information is United looking more at silver than in the actual because they don't really want two left siders. You know, we know Eric Ten Hag. I think it was at a press one of his first presses, Scott, where he spoke about Martinez playing left side centre half. He likes a lefty and a righty. He said that. So the chance of why Newcastle's... Rafa Varane isn't playing as well, couldn't he? Yeah. So the sign of a natural it doesn't tick any boxes for United. Um, that's why Silver and but Liverpool do indeed want a left side defender, so it makes sense that they're both looking at the different ones in the actual both outstanding players. As we mentioned before, the, the future of Portuguese football is bright, and that's not including Ruben Diaz at centre half, so looking very impressive. And that, the other teams who were present Aston Villa, Newcastle, West Ham, um, Tottenham. Tottenham, interesting ones because they, they, they really like sporting and they've been. See Pedro Porro's deal there. We've been looking at sporting a long time, but like Pedro Goncalves, the former Wolves midfielder, he goes by name. Is it Pedro or Petro? Something different now. He goes by a different nickname. And Marcus Edwards, the former youngster who was um, 
booted out of Tottenham by Mauricio Pochettino, I believe it was, when he left. Mm-hmm. But he's getting a lot of attention, Edwards and Goncalves. Um, Ned was one of the ones who... You boys are watching TC, apparently, West Ham. So, But them aside, Barcelona, PSG, Milan, Juventus, Napoli, Atlanta, Bayern Munich, Dortmund, Leverkusen, Celtic. Amongst the clubs who we know who were present at this game, Scott. So um, that's why I think, yeah, you, I think you have just named the entirety. Yeah, of your that, that's, that's why I said <laughs> yeah. that every, the game that every scout was at to sign every player on the pitch. You know. Um, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, although I didn't 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 hear that Real Madrid were there actually. So there's one. Oh, who, okay. who, who, not sure. Not sure where they were there. Well, Real Madrid have been busy tying down every single player they own to a new long-term contract, haven't they, Graham? What have they had in the last way, few weeks? The, the way they work, it's so sick. It, for clubs, for big clubs like the, like United's this world, like, it must be sickening to see how well-run Real Madrid are being at the moment. It's just fascinating, isn't it? It's, yeah, they, have they announced oh, Valverde no. yet? Hey, hey, Manchester United, why don't you sign our old players who are going to start, uh, you know, <laughs> getting worse? Hey, you're, you're probably going to make money on Casemiro, so don't slack him yeah, off. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a later show. Um, uh, I think, yeah, Valverde. I think Valverde's been has that been announced now. We did we did a story. Um, was it a few about a month ago, Toby? Didn't we about um, it was Camavinga and Valverde? And the only it's it's really curious the way Real are doing this now. We're getting I'm getting information from sources at Real saying this is done, but they're taking like a month to six weeks to announce these deals. But as you say, if they're doing that many TC, they have to <laughs> they have to stagger their approach. They're staggering it for impact. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's that it's that Matt made they're doing. So um, yeah, it's I think everyone's signed up now for them. There was Rodrigo, Vinicius, Valverde. Camavinga, Chumani is he was the one, but I think we've done a report um, last week saying that'll that's due to take place talks anyway at the start of January. So you imagine his isn't far off either. So yeah, superb work from Real as ever. That's how you run a football club. Uh, we'll talk at the end of the show about how Man United uh, could look within the next few weeks. But uh, we touched on West Ham being at that game. Irons in the fire, Toby. What have you got for us? Yeah, nothing really to do with Marcus Edwards, although he was the focus of <laughs> Graham's just done the hammer sign on. Yeah, hammer sign. Sorry, that's what we should. I thought we should all do that. <laughs> not for me. Anyway, sorry, um, that's all right. West Ham were at that game watching Marcus Edwards, but that's not what I'm going to expand on. Um, David Moyes, his future at West Ham. I don't know how much longer we're going to have to talk about this. Um, probably for the next seven months, which takes us up to the end of his contract. But the rumours still abound that West Ham want to replace him, that West Ham will replace him. Yada, yada, yada. Fans upset with the style of football. Um, perceived are they, are they upset, TC? What's the, are they upset? Yeah, they, they are. We're kind of going back to the old ways of West Ham getting results in Europe. So things are going... Good in it's so reminiscent of last season, isn't it? Where he, he gets bad results and he's on the brink and he gets a result, and it's it, well, that's it's the so thing. Brilliant. That's what that's what's easing the pressure. I would say is that West Ham had a good start to the Premier League campaign, and then it dipped massively. Played some difficult teams and had some hard fixtures, but things are still going well in Europe. So it's kind of offsetting the pressure that might be on Moyes' shoulders. Our understanding is that West Ham have been looking at future replacements for him. Won the Conference League in June has one year left on his contract, but there's been no engagement over a new contract. David Moyes incidentally did say in the lead up to the game of the weekend that he's not done with management. He still feels like he's got more in the tank and that, you know, reports of him potentially moving upstairs likely wider the mark. He feels like he's still got something to offer as a manager. 
our understanding is that West Ham are in no hurry to replace him despite the indifferent Premier League results. Beat Forest at the weekend, which was a good result. West Ham are back up to ninth. And David Sullivan looks at this as in he doesn't really see an available candidate who offers substantially more than David Moyes. And while West Ham are picking up results and getting the odd win and maintaining a decent position and doing well in Europe, there's no real appetite to make that change. Likewise, there's no real appetite to extend his contract. So I think we're going to get to a situation where Moyes' contract runs down at West Ham. We see who's available um, in terms of managers, Graham Potter, one who's currently unemployed, West Ham like him, but again, he's not of the calibre where West Ham would want to act right now and bin David Moyes off to bring Potter in. But if he's available next summer, he's an option for West Ham. Arnie Slot from Feyenoord, uh, Paolo Fonseca considered over the last few months. Those names could come back into the frame and I think it would just be a case of who's available at the time that Moyes' contract expires at the end of June. One thing I think we can say with near certainty, Graham, is that David Moyes is not going to be signing an extension at West Ham, barring a miracle. And I think the way that the fans react to the style of play and the the discourse around Moyes being there, I'm not sure the club think that that's in their best interests. Yeah, it, it you know, he, he didn't... I think everyone forgets, you know, he didn't get that contract after winning the Conference League. And in all fairness, if they had lost that game, he probably wouldn't have kept his job. Toby, would he? You know, the way he finished that last season, you know, the horrendous Premier League record. I think he papered over the cracks a little bit towards the end with a few wins, but it wasn't a good season. And, and you know, you're hovering around ninth, tenth, eighth now. I think, I think with that squad, you should just with that squad, you should be just playing. You should be playing teams off the park. Kudos, Boyd, and Paqueta. You, you, you've got talent in that squad that is top. You know, have, have Villa got more talent than you? Villa are pushing top four. Have they got a more talented front line than you? I don't think they have. You know, that like Pacata boy and, and Kudos is, is remarkably talented. And you shouldn't be in mid-tier. I think that's the issue Moise has got now, where you're even even better than you were last season in terms of talent. So in, it's weird to say, you know, you lost Declan Rice. Going forward, the talent is unreal. Um, I think that's where he's got his issues. But I, I, I think, is it, I'd, is it fair to say the fans are of a similar ilk to Sullivan where there's no point in just booting him out though. You've got to have something lined up. And if there's no one better in mid-season, you may as well let him see the season through, really. Absolutely. But as you say, Graham, it's the talent of player that West Ham have got now. Throw Edson Alvarez into that mix. <laughs> if West Ham don't improve or don't change things, they're just going to lose these players that they've worked so hard to is sign. Is Moyes picking the right team if every week? Tour? I see Alvarez not playing sometimes. Is he picking the right team now? Uh, yeah, Alvarez missed out recently because of suspension. He's been very good in the heart of midfield. And actually, he's made the change recently where Mohamed Kudus is playing on the right-hand side. Jared Bowen's gone up front. And Mikel Antonio has been benched for the last couple of games. I think that's been a breath of fresh air for West Ham. Is he not playing Kudos centrally? No, no. Is, he's kind of playing. Of, he's playing on the right-hand side, but he's kind of floating inside. And then Vladimir Sofal providing the overlap. It's more fluid than what it has been. When you have Antonio up front, you've only really got one option, which is chuck the ball up to him and hope it sticks. Um, he's veered away from that plan a couple of times this season. West Ham have lost games with it. West Ham won at the weekend with Antonio on the bench. But you've got to get the best out of these kind of players because we saw with the interest in Paqueta in the summer from the likes of Manchester City, they will move on. 
unless West Ham clearly have an ambition to do more, I don't think David Moyes can take the team any further than what he has done. And ultimately, that's the path West Ham are going to go down. Just a question here. like I'm looking at the top 10 in the Premier League at the moment and everybody wants to break into the top five, top six. There's 10 teams really that are trying to do the same thing. So not everybody can, you know? Yeah. So agreed. I think West Ham's aspirations have to look at top seven is the ambition. I think every season they want to be getting European football. There's a taste. Well, that, well, look, at, look at the ta- look at the talent they've got, Scott. I, the way that West Ham, them three players particularly, like Paqueta, Kudos, Boyan, that's up there with Man City and Liverpool aside. I think even as it's comparable to most teams up there. I don't. I don't think they're punching above the weight. I think. I think as nine, West Ham in ninth is. I think it's below where they should be. In terms wow. of individual match winners, I think you're mm. right. Kudus can win a game on his own. Paqueta can win a game on his own. Jared Bowen's got eight Premier League goals, clearly playing at the top of his game. West Ham can beat any given side. And I think that's why the aspiration is we should be competing for top seven. Ninth at the moment, so not a million miles away from it. But when West Ham lose, they generally lose badly. Very similar to Manchester United, Scott. When it's bad, it's really bad. To your ninth, but it's one one win in five, TC. Mm. Yeah. That's why Sunday's result, even though it was Nottingham Forest, was huge for David Moyes. Because if West Ham didn't win that game, I think the pressure and the noise would have been ramping up. Right. Moving to the form team in the league. Manchester United have won their last, <laughs> won four out of their last five games. I, saw, I is... read that he's in, he's in contention for manager of the month, isn't he? <laughs> uh, it's just incredible, really. It really is. Uh, but you look at the teams that they've beaten. They should be beating those teams. And they've had that Man City heavy loss that Toby mentioned was was bad. Uh, in the middle of that, but United are one of the two teams who have joined the race for Andre Graham, who plays for Fluminense and has been of interest to Liverpool, Arsenal, etc. Yeah, he's a fascinating player. You know, we've been talking about him for um, quite a while from January. Fulham first tried to sign him in January, and it's come to this summer where Liverpool were ready to buy him, but Fluminense and Andre were both no, he's not moving because he wanted to help Fluminense win the Copa Libertadores. And something which he did. He, he, he led them there. And he was by far the best player in that game. By far the best player in this Fluminense team. He's a really, really interesting option. Fulham is still interested, um, especially when it comes to Paulinho, possibly still leaving in January. Uh, Liverpool are still interested. We said they pulled out. They are still interested, but I think they might be getting scared away by the amount of teams that are in for him now. Because Liverpool were in for him when there wasn't much interest. Um, he was a bit under the radar. But now Arsenal have joined the hunt. We know Edu's um, watched him personally and we can confirm now Tottenham and Manchester United are both very much in for him and if, if for nothing else I think guys, it's, it sounds simplistic this guy's available for about around £30 million we think is the asking price as, to- as Toby alludes to all the time about Premier League tax what can you buy for £30 million? you're getting a Brazilian international one of the best midfielders in the Brazilian league he's a good age he's going to come straight into your starting lineup. I, I think I think it's no surprise to see Tottenham United. Tottenham, who could move on from Hoiberg, perfect signing. United, as we alluded to, could move on from Casemiro. This is exactly the type of signing they need to be making going forward. You can see why so many times teams are turning up and seeing this now. Um, Liverpool, you know, they might have waited one window too many. They should have maybe done it in January. Or I, I don't know why did it in the summer. Didn't they just buy him and then let him stay there till January? <laughs> Do I, yeah. He wants to... You know, it was a bit simplistic of just letting him stay there. So, well, yeah, 
sign him and then like like um United did uh, City did that with Julian Alvarez, didn't they? They let yeah. him stay was it Boca or River? I can't remember which one. Um so yeah, it's a fascinating player. We're gonna be talking a lot about Andre in the coming weeks because he is gonna move in January and I'd be very, very surprised if he's not to the Premier League now. There is Juventus Napoli interest because at that price, even the Italians and the other Spanish clubs and Germans can afford him as well. The Premier League won't just blow them out the market, but it does appear he's Premier League bound. We mentioned United. There are plenty to cover on them in terms of, we mentioned Casemiro, we've mentioned, uh, you know, Rafa Varane, something probably isn't uh, isn't right there. Jaden Sancho is excluded from the team, obviously, as it stands, uh, we've mentioned there, they potentially are looking at Antonio Silva. They're potentially looking at Andre. They might need another striker. But Graham, uh, that will save that for another show. What has to change first is the takeover. The 25% uh, purchase of the club from Jim Ratcliffe and the plans that they have then to take over the sport in operation. Where do we stand on that? Is that effectively uh, we're just waiting for uh, confirmation on that and how soon could we get it yeah united as a club are hoping announcement is sooner rather than later um my information coming through scott is the hope there'll be some sort of announcement maybe before the next united's next premier league game may not be official official but it might be some sort of announcement saying it's in place and and they're progressing etc it's just to give the fans something else to to um to take home really the official when Ratcliffe can have his, uh, get his um, official uh, parking spot at Old Trafford, I think it's probably more towards the end of December officially. But I think something it will be confirmed before then. I said they're hoping for some sort of announcement before the next game. We, as we know, today Brailsford is working on working behind the scenes, doing looking into what needs to be done. He's not he's not going in there like the Grim Reaper saying you're out, you're out, you're out. He's he's a very sensible, pragmatic guy, um, well respected in sport. So he's looking at it. He's he's seeing what needs to be done. What can Ineos as a company bring to the table? Because you know they're, they're very well versed in in the sporting world, from the cycling team to Mercedes F1 to Nice football. They've got a lot of um, knowledge there in the company, so they are using that at the moment to to build on what United need to do in the future. And I think it's pretty exciting. I don't, I must admit, I'm not a United fan, but from your, I imagine it's quite exciting from where you've been with the Glazers and then Arnold and Murta. I think the, obviously the headline the headlines will be Arnold and Murta likely getting the boot and. Aside from, I think they're not quite up there with the Glazers, Scott, but I think quite a lot of United fans would like to see them out before the Glazers anyway. Well, I, you know, and you level this at Ed Woodward as well. He's a representation mm. of uh, the ownership, uh, and Richard Arnold has succeeded him and had a rotten time. He really has in the 18 months, two years. He's had everything to deal with from off-field issues with Mason Greenwood, with Anthony, and then there's Jaden Sancho's exclusion uh, for footballing reasons, obviously, and th- this kind of thing. And yeah, this the Casemiro signing, which was great last year, but then everybody kind of knew that at some point they'd have to, they end up biting the bullet for it. And we're, we're at that point now. So, you know, I think, I think the exciting thing is really that, um, if this does happen or when this does happen, there should be some kind of communication. And that communication is probably more communication than we've ever had in the 18 years from the Glazer family. If Sir Jim comes in, there could be an investment into facilities, which is more in the first day than the Glazers have invested in the club in the entire 18 years. 
So it, it, this is this is a club that's been eroding. You say you say you say that you're still you're still the home. You've got one of the best training grounds in world football. Still, mm. you're not it's not you're not training on a on a park field somewhere like as as West which West Ham were literally doing not that long ago. I think I think I think it's you know well you part you were still in part cabins not that long ago TC weren't you before you well um, yes West Ham recently um you know you say United it's you know no one spent more money what is it last. What, what was the comparison? Do you not Chelsea's think that's the problem, in? Graham? I think I don't <laughs> think it's. I don't personally speaking. I don't think it's the glaze and the money. I think the appointments, the, their appointments have been poor. Sure, yes, they have. Um, and I think, but I think with Sir Jim coming in now, I think this will this will fix an awful lot quite quickly. I think. I think if he gets it right and he's one to be trusted, um, you know, yeah, it's United fans have to place some trust in Sir Jim, knowing that he's going forward and he wants the best for the club and he's going to get sporting operations right. We know United desperately need two or three of these sporting people in there, don't you? You need this, like, like as we talked about Real Madrid, <laughs> you need someone like what Perez and Calafat have done there. You need these good footballing people to come in and um, for for you United fans, I really hope they, they get it right. And, and I think there's a really good chance to do get it right. Not guaranteed. But of course, yeah, chance. of course, not guaranteed, uh, but we'll see. So potentially before United next play, I think they play Everton after the international break. Potentially there could be some change, of course, uh, on the United front. And uh, we will discuss that on a later episode. If and when it is announced, we'll talk about potential transfers that United could be making in January and beyond that, both in and out of the club. And uh, plenty else to touch on as well. We're approaching the January transfer window about six weeks away and there'll be clubs who are quite busy, you would imagine. Uh, But thanks to Toby and thanks to Graham for today's show. I've been Scott. Please subscribe to Talking Transfers on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth, nattymin.com for all the latest from the team, nattymin.com forward slash Talking Transfers for all this transfer news. And Nightymin underscore football on social media for everything that we do. Keep an eye out this week. The Premier League top 50 ever is being released, and I'm sure that people will disagree with it. So uh, enjoy that. Get in touch with us. Tell us what you think about that. And uh, keep an eye out because uh, we'll be right there talking about all things transfers on both this podcast and on site and on social as well. So until next time, thanks for listening, everyone. From Toby, Graham, and myself. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you soon.